On this week's episode of Life and Lessons, I talk about what it's been like to drink no alcohol for two years. I have a message for my 18 year old self and I explain why I have absolutely no goals for the whole of 2020. What's good, what's going on? We're back again. This is episode number five of Life and Lessons. If you're new here, hello, I'm Sean Spooner and for 52 weeks between the ages of 24 and 25, I'm gonna be recording and releasing a weekly podcast to see just how much my life can change in a year. This is the, the story of growing a business, of growing as a person, and it's a completely honest view into my life as I attempt some fairly unusual things. And this episode right here is all about week number five of that journey. If you're not new here, you already knew that. Welcome back, hope you're well. Thanks for being here as always. I hope you've had a good week since we last spoke. Um, This week has been a a fairly intense one for me between the usual goings on at home, exactly what we spoke about last week, having just continued Um, and a new year in the business and everything that comes along with that. And also intense in the sense of actioning many of the things I had been planning and working on over that Christmas and New Year break, Uh, you know, getting to January the 1st and just hitting the go button on that. So I feel like I haven't stopped this week. And it was only yesterday, actually, I was looking through my calendar um, for work meetings and appointments and so on between now and the middle of February, and it is already looking so busy. Um, It's just a madness. But look, if you've learned anything about me yet from this podcast, it's that that is exactly how I like things to be. So I'm excited for this new year. I'm excited for things to get moving and to be getting shit done. So what happened this week? Well, firstly, obviously, it was New Year's Eve this week. And for New Year's Eve, I jumped on a train from Corby and I travelled to Hatfield to meet with Richard and Alex and James. And we did a bit of a half New Year's Eve, half Alex's birthday party evening in Hatfield. Um, and then I travelled back to Wales and spent the 1st of January in the office, tying up some loose ends. And then on the 2nd of January, as I'm sure it was the case for you as well, it was straight back into work, straight back into the new year, getting on with things. And so I've spent this week in the office. Uh, planning kickoff meetings for all of our new clients, the new 90-day marketing plans for each of them, and just really making some plans for what we, as Dream, uh, hope to do this year. So it's been a fairly typical first week of the year. It's been a time for change and moving forward and making big decisions. And that's actually where I want to start first this week. I want to start by talking about a big decision. But it's not a decision that I made recently. It's actually one that I made a couple of years ago. On the 1st of January 2018, I stopped drinking alcohol. And that means that as of right now, I haven't drank alcohol in over two years. Now, given that many of you listening will be either trying something like dry January at this time of year, or you may just be considering your current relationship with alcohol, I wanted to use this two-year milestone to do a couple of things. Firstly, I want to explain uh, my decision 
on why I stopped drinking a couple of years ago and why I haven't drank since. And then I want to talk about some of the things that not drinking for two years has taught me and the benefits and why I recommend that you at least consider trying something similar for a period of time at some point in your life. But let me start here. Why did I stop drinking? Well, honestly, I didn't really intend to stop drinking. There wasn't some big plan that I'd been brewing up for a long time for me to quit alcohol, for me to cut out drinking. It just kind of happened. And to explain why that's the case, I think I need to give you a little bit of context. Unlike a lot of people, I didn't actually really drink until I was 18. So I didn't have those like teenage house parties and drinking bowls of Frosty Jacks and all that stuff. I really didn't drink. and I certainly hadn't been drunk until my 18th birthday. Uh, and then when I turned 18, like everybody else, I would do a few nights out. I was probably averaging one to two nights out per week. And they were fine, you know, I'd get drunk, obviously, but like I say, so does every 18-year-old. And for the first couple of years of drinking, so between the ages of, say, 18 and 20, things were fairly uneventful. Uh, But then in the last year or so when I drank, so between the ages of, like, 20 and 21, things started to change a little bit. The amount I'd be drinking would be the same, and the frequency of nights out would be the same. But two things that particularly stand out now had changed. The first is that I'd often have blackouts for literally hours at a time. That being, I would have zero recollection of big chunks of nights out the next morning when I woke up. So like, what did I do for those last few hours in the club? And who did I bump into? And who did I speak to? And what did I say? And what time did I leave at? And how did I get home? And when did I get home? I would routinely wake up after a night out and not be able to answer any of those questions. And I don't mean foggy memory, I mean literally blackout, absolutely no recollection whatsoever, as if I'd been asleep for those last two or three hours of a night out. And then the second thing that had changed in that last year or so of drinking is that my hangovers got fucking terrible. Now I know that people say that your hangovers get worse as you get older, But this was like a a 0 to 100 level of escalation, a 0 to 100 level of worsening. And so put those two things together. Imagine waking up in the morning after a night out, feeling physically terrible because of a hangover. And then imagine lying in bed, trying to recall literally hours of the previous night that you have zero recollection of. Now, it's a word that I didn't really know the meaning of at the time but looking back now I would say that the feeling that those two things combined gave me was just sheer anxiety and so the cost of each uh, the cost of a night out each week wasn't the 50 or 100 pounds I'd be spending on drinks and taxis and food it was the feeling of being physically and mentally fucked for the next few days every single week And then put that alongside a couple of things that happened in the last year of drinking. um, And it made me really question why I drank. So the most obvious example I can think of is being so drunk after a friend of mine's gig in London one night that when they all went out and partied in a nightclub, I was so drunk that I couldn't get in. So I kind of sat outside the club for a few hours and then with my drunk wisdom decided that I would walk to St Pancras and try and get the first train home in the morning. Uh, And somewhere along that drunken Google Maps-led walk, uh, bumped into a couple of guys and was mugged. But I was so drunk that I have no recollection, even to this day, 
of that mugging whatsoever. So I had my phone and my wallet and my watch and my keys and cash stolen and suddenly the cost of drinking had just shot up by thousands of pounds. And so when you put all of those things together, it created this kind of perfect storm in my mind. Um, so for a while I had every intention to drink less or to drink less frequently. But then I woke up after a New Year's Eve night out in Cardiff a couple of years ago. I woke up on the 1st of January 2018. And I actually still remember this moment. I genuinely remember having this exact thought when I thought, fuck it. What am I doing this for? What am I putting myself through this for every single week? And is the night out worth feeling like this? And how do I even know if the night out's worth feeling like this if I have no recollection of it? And so I quit. I stopped drinking. Because the upsides of supposedly having a good night were being massively outweighed by the financial and the physical and the mental costs of it all. Now, just to be clear, I didn't and still absolutely do not think that I had any sort of problem with alcohol. That's what people often fail to, to understand or to recognize when I have a conversation like this. This is abstinence by choice. This is pragmatically deciding that alcohol was having a, an overall net negative effect on my life and so cutting it out proactively for lifestyle reasons. And so that's what I've done now for the last two years. I haven't drank a single drop of alcohol in that entire time. And quite honestly, I'm not planning on drinking anytime soon. So two years without drinking in my early 20s, it's a fairly unusual thing. I recognize that. And so I think that it has taught me a few lessons which I think are quite universal. I don't think they're exclusive to being 20. Um, or rather in your 20s. And so that's what I want to talk about now. For anybody who's doing dry January or just considering your relationship with alcohol, these are the lessons that two years without alcohol has taught me. The first is that when you stop drinking, you, you no longer have the ability to rely on a drug to give you some sort of short-lived fake confidence to get through social situations. You can't go and buy confidence at the bar. And so you have to find real confidence. You have to address the issues that made you feel unconfident or uncomfortable in the first place, and you have to find some sort of positive solutions to actually fix those issues, not to just mask them. If you never take the stabilizers off of your bike, you're never gonna learn to ride a bike. If you never remove the crutch that makes you feel confident, you're never gonna have a need or even the ability to develop real lifelong confidence. But for me, cutting out alcohol caused me and perhaps even forced me to do exactly that, to find and to build and to develop and to fight for real confidence and not just this short-lived fake confidence. And it's one of the best decisions that I ever made. The second thing that not drinking for two years has taught me is that you do not need to be drunk. You do not need to drink to have a good time. You don't need alcohol to have a good time you don't need it to have a good night. You, you just do not need it to, to get those positive effects that we all think alcohol causes, right? Now, let me just repeat that because our culture, certainly here in the UK, and also billions of pounds worth of advertising spend has tried to convince us all otherwise, but you do not need alcohol to have a good time. 
you don't. Now, you'd be forgiven for thinking that just because I don't drink, I've somehow stopped having fun. Or, at very least, you'd think that my social life has suffered, or that I've stopped going out, doing nights out. But actually, none of those things are true. I still do nights out. I still go to gigs. I mean, shit, I'm still going to bloody Glastonbury this year. I still do everything that you or anybody else who drinks does. But there are a couple of differences. The first is that I spend maybe... 80% less money on nights out or on gigs. I spend way, way less money. And the other difference is that I remember the entire night out or gig or whatever it happens to be. And so I now remember and know that I'm having just as good a time as I used to. I think that our culture has made drinking and having fun on a night out two inseparable things, as if without one, you can't have the other. But... Over the last two years, I've learned that that is simply not true. If you're drinking just because you think that that's the key to having a good time, look, frankly, you're, you're playing a losing game that has nothing but downside. The third thing that I've learned is that when you don't drink, you have a lot, of, a lot more time and a lot more money and a lot more energy and attention to invest into yourself. I think it's no mistake and no coincidence that since I cut out alcohol and hangovers and the expense of £100 plus nights every week, my life has improved in almost every area and genuinely I absolutely put the catalyst of all of that down to quitting alcohol. My productivity is up, I'm way more confident, I feel way healthier, I have saved And by that, I mean not spent literally thousands of pounds that would have otherwise just left my bank account pointlessly. Um, And I've won back at least a full day every week that I would have otherwise spent hungover, feeling physically and mentally shit. I've won all of that time back. Um, I've lost the sense of social pressure around nights out, which absolutely exists. And I've gotten a chance to go on an unusual path and see what that's like. An unusual path, but a really fucking rewarding one. So let me summarise this point by saying this. Most people listening to this go from the age of 18 right through until just before you die without spending maybe more than a few weeks away from drinking. You'll spend tens of thousands of pounds, have hundreds of hangovers, probably make dozens of drunken mistakes and find yourself in countless bad situations over the years, all because of alcohol. And you'll be doing all of that in pursuit of some imagined upside. But when you allow yourself to to step away from alcohol, even for a short period of time, you see that the upside doesn't really stand up to scrutiny. Drinking doesn't make you more confident. Drinking doesn't allow you to have more fun and drinking does not make nights out any more memorable. And yet, when you take the plunge and decide to give up drinking, you'll find yourself, particularly in those first few weeks, having to justify that decision to your friends and your family and everybody around you. As if, imagine imagine receiving that same sort of negative response if you were telling them that you're quitting any other drug. Imagine you're saying, oh, I'm quitting some class A drug that costs me fucking thousands of pounds a year. And somebody says, oh, that's a bit fucking uncool, mate. How are you going to have fun? That would never happen with any other drug. We just live in this weird culture where some sort of like masculinity, or I don't even know the word, but something is attached to drinking that absolutely shouldn't be. Because like I say, all of the upside is imagined. 
it just it doesn't it doesn't exist but look, let me finish by saying this i have no issue with drinking whatsoever and i also have no issue with anybody who drinks all of those people that i do nights out with that i spoke about of course they all drink we 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 have an equally good time because of that and shit i will almost definitely drink again one day but what i've learned over the last two years is this when you allow yourself the freedom to cut out alcohol despite the social and cultural pressures surrounding it you find superpowers that you never knew you had and so here's to another year with no alcohol okay so in that last little section i spoke about being 18 i spoke about turning 18 and so with that in mind i want to do something i want to speak to my 18 year old self for a second now this comes from a podcast that i was listening to a few days ago is a podcast that i love and i absolutely recommend you check out it's called modern wisdom and it's hosted by a guy called chris williamson uh, and chris has his two friends johnny and yusuf sit down with him every now and then and they do just these really interesting kind of open-ended conversations and in this particular episode the three guys on the podcast chris johnny and yusuf sat down and they posed the question if you could go back and speak to your 18 year old self for 30 seconds what would you say? And I tell you what, that question has had me thinking a lot this week. And so that's what I want to do. I want right now to quickly try and answer that question. If I could pick up the phone right now and speak to my 18 year old self to give him some advice that would help him through the next six years of life based on what I've learned, here's what I'd say. I would say work harder. Understand that you have so much time And if you just spend some of that time actually doing some bloody work, you will be miles ahead. Understand that social media does not matter. Don't put even one ounce of your self-worth into the number of likes that you get on Instagram or how funny the world thinks a tweet of yours is. It doesn't fucking matter. And understand that people are too fucking busy with their own lives to give a shit about what you're doing. So nobody's paying attention to you. Take absolute advantage of that to do whatever you want because nobody's going to notice and if they do notice nobody's going to care nobody's going to have that judgment that you think they're going to have when you go and do the things you want to do and so don't spend a second worrying about the opinions of others i would tell myself to join a gym even if that thought makes you really fucking uncomfortable just join a gym now get through that uncomfortable period and you'll see the upsides tenfold I'd tell myself to learn about habits to make my bed every morning. I'd say drink more water, get enough sleep and start saving money now. Don't ever spend a penny on something that you can't afford. And stop spending your money on shit nights out and do your bloody driving lessons. And finally, understand this. Life is a process and not an outcome. So that's it. Uh, I actually had to put a lot of thought into that. But that is why I tell my 18-year-old self if I could go back and speak to him for 30 seconds. Uh, I asked you the same question if you follow me on Instagram earlier this week. And um, the answers that you gave were, were really interesting. They basically fell into three categories. And they were um, learn more, save more money, and trust yourself enough to be yourself. And I think that those three things, sourced by everybody who listens to this podcast, those three bits of advice are really good advice, not just for 18-year-olds, but for everybody. And so ask yourself this, 
Are you following the advice that you would give to your 18-year-old self? If not, maybe this new year is the time to do something about that. Okay, and then finally, the last thing that has been on my mind this week in this this quite scatty episode is um, I want to take things from the past right up to the present moment and perhaps even into the future. More specifically, I want to talk a little bit about my plans and the thought process for my plans in this coming year. Now look, if you've listened to even 10 minutes of any episode of this podcast, you're going to know that I'm really big on habits. Habits drive my life. And you probably also know that, generally speaking at least, I have some fairly big goals. But this year I'm going to try and do something a little bit different. Explicitly speaking, I have set myself no goals for 2020. None. Literally not one single outcome-based goal. I've set myself nothing to do with achievements, or money, or where I want to be, or what I want to do, or the things I want to own. I have set myself no goals. My 2020 goals list is a blank word document. And yet, I feel that this year, I am going to exceed past any goals that I could have set myself. Let me explain how and why. I can actually summarize my entire thought process here by borrowing one single line from somebody else. So I'm going to do that before I go into any more detail. And the line is from the author of the book, Atomic Habits, James Clear. And he says this, you do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. Let me put that another way. Goals are pointless if you don't follow the patterns of behavior needed to reach them. Everybody has goals. Winners have goals. Losers have goals. The person who comes first in a race has the same bloody goal as the person who comes 12th. The difference between that first place and the 12th place is the processes that that person has put in place for years in their life, their training, their nutrition, their uh, diet, their sleep, all of those things, those processes are what separates people from either hitting their goals or not hitting their goals. So in a sense, the goals part of this whole equation is kind of redundant. Making a list of aspirations at the beginning of the year is pointless if, by the end of January, you've stopped following all of the habits that you need to get there. By that, I mean that if you know the processes and systems that you should be following to eventually become the kind of person you want to be, adding some sort of arbitrary, close-ended, time-related goal to those systems, at least in my opinion, serves no real purpose. And if anything, a short-term goal can distract you from the bigger picture and actually make you feel bad about falling short on a scale of weeks and months. But in life, something I've come to learn is that the scale of weeks and months don't really matter in the bigger picture. And so for the whole of 2020, I have no goals, just processes. A series of things that I've committed to do with absolute consistency regardless of the results that they garner in the short term. Things like this, like doing three hours of deep work every single working day without any distractions. So that's three hours of focused work. Somebody in the office is going to take care of my inbox during those hours, so I'm not going to be checking my emails. My phone will be on Do Not Disturb. My browser tabs will be closed. My Spotify will be turned off. Three hours of taking care of the most important tasks with an absolute undivided attention attention even uh, that's that's going to be going to the gym four times a week 
every single week and following a pre-made workout program, not deviating from that every other week when I get bored, not feeling like I need to change things out when I don't see instant results, just putting my head down and week in, week out, doing the work four times a week for the entire year. It's things like remaining entirely financially accountable to myself each month this year, following the financial spending and planning processes that I put in place to keep myself in check, regardless of the temptations that might crop up. It's using my whoop band to understand the number of hours sleep I need on any given night, and then doing whatever I need to do to ensure that getting that amount of sleep is a non-negotiable, so that I can actually perform at a high level with the right level of focus each and every day. It's following morning and evening routines so that my days start and end with intention and to ensure that I'm taking care of myself and not putting my well-being second to any of the things that will happen during day-to-day life in the coming year. And it's not blinking. It's doing what I know to be the right thing, day in, day out, every single day, regardless of how I'm feeling, regardless of the results and regardless of discomfort. Because this year, I've made a commitment to focus on the process and not the outcomes. And so that's it. That is everything that has been on my mind this week. And that means that that is it for another episode of Life and Lessons. Um, This has been an unusual one in the sense that, you know, we're at the beginning of a year. We're at the beginning of a decade. And so I've had, like I said last week, a lot of time to reflect. So... Whilst there hasn't been a whole lot of exciting stuff going on in my life day to day this week because it's all just been work and meetings and planning and meetings and this and that and the other, I think some of the thoughts I've had over the last week about how I'm teeing myself up for this year have kind of come through in this episode and I hope that they've provoked some thoughts in you because, you know, we're all on this journey, we're all on a journey of trying to uh, take a step up this year, change our situation, get out of that problem, progress in our career, whatever it might be. I think that we're all on some sort of interesting journey this year. And so I hope that my thoughts on my journey help provoke thoughts in your mind to, uh, to just see where you can take it this year. Like I always say, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I feel like you know, as, as the weeks go on, not only are the number of listeners growing, but so too are the number of meaningful conversations that we're all having as a result of this podcast. Um, and so with that in mind, thank you to everybody who messaged on the back of last week's episode. There was some crazy messages in there, like uh, that, that first bit that I spoke about in last week's episode, which if you haven't listened to, please do go back and listen to after this, uh, where I spoke about not taking for granted the time that you have with your family fuck me that struck some nerves i had two or three messages that just blew my mind because like i always say and i will continue to say this i forget that when i sit in this room and record this on my own this goes into people's ears and they take action as a result of that and they have four processes as a result of that and just some of the messages that i got last week made this whole process feel very very real so thank you if you messaged um if you do want to start a conversation about anything i spoke about in today's episode please do. Like I always say, the best place to reach me is on Instagram, where my username is Spooner Sean. That's S-P-O-O-N-E-R-S-E-A-N. I'll look out for your message if you do drop me a line. As always, 
Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please do consider sharing it either somewhere on social media or with a friend by text or WhatsApp. Uh, seeing the number of people this is reaching each week growing is another one of those things that just makes this feel very surreal and makes me feel very fortunate to, to be able to do this. So thank you very much for sharing this. Uh, and lastly, do remember to follow on Spotify or subscribe on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. That will mean that you're the first to know when each new episode drops. Uh, and yeah, it just it just makes things easier for you because why not? But anyway, that is it for another week. I do hope that you have a good week and I will see you back here this time next week for episode number six of Life and Lessons. See you then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 